You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For all the Cardinals fans, for the ones who wrap the bird game, this is kickoff in the valley. Now here's your host, Tyler Vazquez. Tyler Vazquez. All right, welcome into the Kickoff in the Valley podcast, where I am the voice of the bird god, Adam Armbrecht, also a producer extraordinaire, but I'm only here to set the table for the leader of the Bird Gang Travel Club, the pulse of the Arizona Cardinal fan base, Mr. Tyler Vasquez. Good sir, it was Black Monday, but maybe more of a celebration for Arizona. Yeah, I think this is all good news since the weekend. I mean... It's just been day after day of good news. This this is fantastic. Let's keep the train rolling. You know what I mean? It's not just good news. It's great news. So we're obviously going to talk about uh, the moves that were made, specifically with the GM, specifically with the head coach. We will say them by name coming up in a second. Uh, we're also going to talk about what went on over the weekend, what it meant for that draft stock, because we spent a nice little bit of time on the last episode getting excited about the possibilities for the Cardinals when it comes to that. And then ultimately, this was... Uh, a day that uh, concluded with a press conference from the Arizona Cardinals. And we're going to really, that's uh, for Tyler to kind of give the, that little taste of, did you feel satisfied by the decisions that were made, the reasoning behind it, and then the expectations going forward. So that's, that's the, the roadmap of today's episode, but we do start. Uh, early today, it came out first. We weren't sure what order this was going to come in. Started with, GM Steve Kime would not be returning to the team. And then in relatively short order, followed up with Cliff Kingsbury was in fact fired by the Arizona Cardinals. I don't need to say, how do you feel about it, Tyler? But was there a sense of relief just from the standpoint of, do we know for sure that Bidwell is going to make this move and really try to reset this franchise? Yeah, I think relief is the keyword for everyone right now is I think it's the mixed emotions leading into today. I know in my little circle of friends where we have our little group chat, it went from, well, Glazer reported that they're probably gone, but it was like, well, it says probably. probably. So maybe they're not gone. And then there were bets <laughs> thrown out like, nope, Cliff is going to be retained, but but uh, Kime will be let go. And it was just one of those things where you then sort of had doubt creep in. Yep. Over the last 24 hours. And then as the day went longer this morning, I could just see fans being like, that's not going to happen. He's going to keep him. He's going to keep him. But when you go on par for when Steve Wilkes was fired a couple of years ago. Yeah. And obviously they didn't clear house of the GM. But, you know, when they've made a move in the past, it was right around. It was an hour earlier than today than when, when uh, Cliff was let go. Um, but once it happened, you know, it's really par for the course and, and how these things have been handled in the past. Very, but yes, breaking it down to the feelings that you have today, I think coming off of us hammering hard that we needed the third overall pick and then securing the third overall pick. I wish the bears at times, it looked like they were almost going to do their part and would have got yep, us yep. to the second overall pick, but instead somehow they end up with the first overall pick. We never saw that. Like we didn't talk about that as a possibility, but with that, all virtual being said, lock yeah, for Houston, who would ever have suspected Chicago <laughs> yeah. ends up with it, but here we are. 
so we secure the third overall pick. So you're pumped there. And then today, Michael gives us the joy of doing what I feel the overarching when you talk about the majority of the fan base. I have seen some people say like, hey, because of injuries, you should bring Cliff back mm-hmm. and things like that. But the 90 percentile majority was Cliff's got to go. And and uh, I think everyone kind of was under the impression that Kime was going to be out of here. Yeah. You know, when he stepped away from the team. If anyone thought he was ever going to come back, like I, I didn't think that was really a possibility. Well, well, well here's where I'm going to tie it into. Obviously, the other storyline around the Arizona Cardinals mm-hmm. in the NFL, and that's Sean Payton and what's going to happen and where he's going to go. And you and I were sending back and forth some text messages. I may have been kind of, I think I was, I was being a bit of a, you know, keep it clean yeah, here, but I, I wasn't being a, a supportive Dowder. co-host in terms of of what was being talked about. Because Sean Payton was on uh, Fox Sunday. He's there with all the guys. First, he said, you know, scale of 1 to 10, he was asked the likelihood that you're coaching somewhere or that you're back here with us on the set. He said 7 out of 10, he's on the set talking football. Now, there's a lot of gamesmanship there, obviously. You know what a 7 is? That's a C in school, okay? So it's not good odds. Still passing. That he's back. Uh, But but to your point, though, then they, they asked him, if you are looking at some of these spots, the 17th is when the interview processes can begin. Some people have been given, you know, potential preliminary um, approval to interview. And when that time comes, but he said, what are you looking for? And I thought this was pretty telling. And this is where I think it ties back to Bidwell and the Cardinals and the decisions that you were, maybe you were grappling with. Do we want to let go of Kime and Cliff? Maybe just one, right? It was that Sean Payton said beyond the quarterback, beyond personnel, It was about who was in control in the organization, the GM, the voices in the organization that he's going to be working with. And I think if you were Bidwell, you had to look at that and say, and I'm not telling you he's waited for to hear that statement, but you had to be looking and saying, it's going to be hard for me to sell my organization to Sean Payton if I have a GM that under his watch, there's been a lot of missteps, right? Especially in this season and the last couple of seasons. It would have been hard, I think, to keep Kime specifically in place here, get rid of Cliff Kingsbury and say, hey, Sean, this is going to be a great opportunity. You know that you need to kind of look at it as, even if it's not a Sean Payton guy at the GM spot, just knowing that it's a fresh mind, a fresh voice ready to work with him potentially. Yeah, you know, when when I hear Sean Payton say that, it, I put we're donezo. <laughs> because when I think of this organization, I don't think it's those things. But well, uh, so, Yeah, by the way, because it goes to Bidwell too here, right? He's yeah. also talking about ownership, and that could yeah. be a, a problem. Yeah, and he pretty much said it didn't come down to quarterback. It doesn't come down to those things. It came down to management, ownership, all, all of those pieces. And so when you look at that, that is concerning. Now, I then go back to, again, he has touted that he's had a relationship in the past with the Arizona Cardinals. He was a ball boy for Michael's father uh, in that regime. To me, (laughs) I I almost feel like Sean Payton's had a very bad poker face. Like, I feel like he wants to be here. Now, the one big wrench that we've talked about in the past is like L.A. or even Dallas. And with Dallas losing over the weekend, that's concerning. And then L.A., Sean McVay, it just keeps coming out that he's looking to step away. Uh, I'm going to go a step further because I think you're right. Listen, every organization has its issues. Over the weekend, this is where it does tie in. We're going to get to the draft uh, the draft stock here coming up in a second, that third overall pick. But a couple of things. One, Dallas looks terrible in a Week 18 game against the eliminated Washington Commanders. Dak Prescott looks terrible. 
And you can say whether or not that's kind of been his M.O. He struggles in big spots. He hasn't been a great playoff QB. We're going to see them coming up here, and that could all change. In one week, this could look different for a lot of these teams. But I don't think Mike McCarthy has been regarded as, you know, the one of the stalwarts of NFL coaching, right? In a lot of ways, if they walk in there and they lose in the first round of the playoffs in the wild card round, you could see a real you could see a real turnover there, I think, under Jerry Jones. And that would push in a big way, probably for Sean Payton, who obviously has ties to that organization in the past. When you go out to LA, here's the other one. And we talked about this. Um, I talked about a lot of people over the last couple of days. What the Chargers were doing in that game after the Ravens had lost to the Bengals and everything was set, there was nothing left was to gain. It was in it was the definition of malpractice. I was like, I was joking and also being serious when I said I might fire him in the middle of the game. Mm-hmm. You kept all of your starters out there saying for the sake of rhythm, you lost Bosa, you lost Williams. And if you're looking at the AFC playoff picture, playing the Jaguars is about the best matchup that you could probably pull, even as good as they have looked down the stretch. And now you've put yourself in a terrible position. I, it is not a foregone conclusion that just because that team made the playoffs that he is automatically coming back and Coach Staley there. If he gets jettisoned, I think they would be pushing hard for Sean Payton because you have the quarterback, you have the weapons. Like That is a very talented That's, roster yeah. that just might need a better leader. It's a very appealing job for sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, no, I think you're right in all regards that you have three situations now that are going to, that are lingering, right? And Sean Payton can't do anything until, what was it, the 17th? He's got another eight days before he can really do anything anyway. So we're going to get through the wild card round, and let's say the Chargers lose, let's say the Cowboys lose, let's say, you know, Sean McVay decides, I've already seen that it said Sean McVay is looking to make the decision quickly. So if he decides he's out, now you have three big like jobs that are opening up three, three desirable jobs just because of market and because of uh, the weapons on the teams. And, ho- and hopefully you get the benefit of you, the Cardinals. It's you and the Rams say that McVay retires. Well, you're the two teams that aren't in the playoffs. Maybe the mm-hmm. Cowboys win, maybe the chargers win. And all of a sudden they get pushed out. Even if they wanted to be in the discussion, they get further away from having those talks as they continue to the playoff road. So there's that. That was um, one thing that Michael Bidwell said in his presser today, and I know we'll get all into the presser in a minute, yeah. but one thing he did say along these lines was he wanted to move quickly. Yeah. So I think part of the reason of wanting to move quickly is, <laughs> one, you look at the Denver Broncos out there, they've requested interviews with virtually every top candidate. You talk to Peyton, they've requested Harbaugh, they've requested Ryans. I mean, you name it, they're going yeah. after everybody. They, they've asked for uh, Dan Quinn, they've asked for... Uh, try to think of who the other two were, but they, they've they've targeted that when you talk about the top coaching candidates, they've talked to, they've targeted almost every single one of them. And Denver is not playing around when it comes to finding someone. So when I see Michael Bidwell and I hear him say, I want to move quickly. Well, hey, Denver's laying the roadmap for you. You need to get moving as quickly as they're doing because they're about they're a lap ahead of you right now. Yeah, I'm taking a look here. Uh, Raheem Morris as well, yep. and defensive Morris. coordinator D'Amico Ryans. You mentioned him there in terms of who the Broncos have requested. And in that regard, so let me ask you quickly before we do hit the the draft, and then we're going to go over to the press conference where there's a lot more that I think that fleshes out nicely here um, for this conversation. Is just that do you? So if you're bid well, are you going all in on the Sean Payton train and saying? I don't request anybody else. I, you know, you want to send the message. You're my guy. I don't even want to talk to anyone else. Or 
do you want to, you know, hedge your bets a little bit and say, if he gets plucked by somebody else, I need to, I do need to have a plan in place here. Like, I think that's a very tentative one when maybe arguably the Cardinals are not number one on Sean Payton's list per se. So that's the way you push to the top, right? Is we're all in on you. We don't even want to talk to anyone else. And then Sean Payton goes to LA, goes to Dallas, whatever. And you go, oh, shoot. Now, who do I want to talk to? What does it look like? You'd really hate to see the Cardinals make what feels like some smart decisions, getting away from Kime, getting away from Cliff Kingsbury, and then maybe fumble the next step in getting this thing back on track. Well, kudos to everyone that was at the presser, all the, the media members that were there asking Michael Bidwell the tough questions. At one point, Let's, uh, you know, let, and let's just go to the press conference. We'll, okay. we'll come back to the draft stock because this is more interesting and important. Yeah, well, it goes right in hand in hand with what you're saying. Do you make Sean Payton first? Well, he was asked, "Do you see Sean Payton getting an interview?" And he gave the the best smirk of the press conference when asked. <laughs> now he right. sidestepped it and said, "We're not yeah. going to get into names, and we're not going to, you know, do this or that." So on one hand, I felt okay. He clearly knows that everybody has eyes for Sean Payton right now. And maybe he has eyes for Sean as well. Yeah. But then on the second point, he was asked a follow-up question of, are you basically going to spend what it's going to cost to go get the biggest name out there? Right. And then he shot that down with, I don't necessarily think the biggest name means the best coach. So the minute he said that, it 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 made you feel like you felt good. And then it was like, wait a minute. Now he's backstepping and maybe we won't be going after a Sean Payton. So the other comment he made that is relative to pushing all in on Sean Payton, he did say that he would prefer to hire GM first and head coach second. So if that is the case, then now he didn't say that would, that had to be, that didn't have to be the scenario. He said that would be ideal, but that's not necessarily, you know, obviously you're hiring a Sean Payton. I'm pretty sure you're including him on the GM conversation. So that could pivot it. So who knows? I mean, Michael Bidwell could be playing the best poker under the sun. It's just, uh, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. And some interesting names here. I had seen this over on uh, all, all Cardinals. They had an article just about potential candidates for the GM spot. And this is where, by the way, went through this with, uh, on the Giants side. Anytime you see like GM candidates, you got to dig back like a lot of layers sometimes to find the ways in which they connect to potential coaches. But they had put out a list here that included Dan Morgan, Carolina Panthers assistant GM, Lewis Riddick, who's been at ESPN, obviously former NFL front office member, also mentioned Morocco ba- Brown from the Indianapolis Colts, director of college scouting there for them. Ed Dodds, uh, also a Colts assistant general manager. Although, see, in some ways, like I don't think that the Colts have put a great track record here together of late to say that you want to be plucking from them. And I did think that John Dorsey, the assistant and former Cleveland Browns GM um, like with the Detroit Lions, <laughs> I just thought it was an interesting name that gets thrown out there because the Detroit Lions have had success. Here's a good one that I did was on my lips when we were talking about a different team in the NFL. And that was Adam Peters um, with the San Francisco 49ers. He interviewed in the last round for a lot of different positions, didn't get picked. Um, but I found that that one could be a fascinating one too. It, it I got to tell you, it, it this is a hard spot to be in because you want to put your GM in place, and I think that's the right thing to do. Here's my here, here's my question to you: Is Sean Payton the end all be all must have for you 
in this rebuilding process, original reset. Let's not call it a rebuild because they have a lot of talent. Is he the end-all, be-all? Because if he is, then that's who you worry about first and the GM comes second, whatever it looks like. Or do you think that Bidwell can go out and get a GM that can then be in place to make the right decisions, whether that is Sean Payton or another coaching candidate? And it looks like there are going to be a lot of good ones to pick from. Yeah, no. I, does, does Sean Payton, do you think he solves all problems? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I really do. Um, I think he would would be the stopgap for everything. When you talk about just what the Saints were to what we have in this offense and this team as a whole and his leadership and his experience and everything else, like to me, that's where you start. I get you could go find the GM first. I get there's some good names out there. But at the end of the day, Michael's talking about trying to go and find uh, candidates that are up and comers and, and in the the that one program. They have a, I'm trying to think of the word, the name of the program. They have that program right now for up and coming for diversity and everything else. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's on on the board of, of all of that or he's on the committee. And so it's one of those things where, gosh, it scares me that he's just going to go like Michael's going to go with whatever the league has been pushing for. Which, which I love. Don't don't get me wrong. Yeah. But right now, this almost feels like not that hard of a situation. There's one guy that's clearly the guy. Let's go get him. Yeah, yeah and I'm not. I can never knock it um, because Sean Payton has a great track record, and there's nothing to suggest other than that he wanted a little bit of time away, needed a reprieve. The Saints were maybe starting to obviously were winding down the uh, Drew Brees era, right? Just a, a changing of the guard. It all makes sense. My only pushback is there's always a point when some of the best minds in the NFL stop being the best minds in the NFL. And I'm not saying that one season away, that's what it means for Sean Payton. But I, I, I do sometimes worry about looking, overlooking some younger, up-and-coming talents, some really bright minds that have been maybe passed over previously and going for what feels like a guarantee. And when you're the Cardinals... I get it because it's really hard to take a. Quote, you never get the guarantee, okay? We never get the guarantee, and yeah. at the end of the day, wasn't Cliff supposed to be a bright young mind? You know what I mean? Like, like, well, and I get that's that, that here's that's that head coach, not a GM. But I'm saying, like, yeah, yeah. we've kind but of gone you. that route, you know. And this was fascinating to me. I thought too. Um, I was talking about this with uh, actually the, the guy that I uh, I cover the Brooklyn Nets with, uh, of all things, because we were watching football together over mm -hmm. the weekend. And it was one of those things of like, there are NFL coaches that with the ebb and flow of, of the way the league is going, right? So all of a sudden they start clamping down on defenses. They make it so it's more explosive. Well, that's the perfect wave for a Cliff Kingsbury to come riding in, right? I'm an offensive-minded guy. I want Kyler Murray. Boom, boom, boom. And there's a couple of really good years there. But as you highlight, and we talked about this last episode a little bit, couldn't even tell where he's supposed to be lining up wide receivers a lot. So... Well, was he a genius or was he the, the coach that caught the right wave? Because then when it goes more the defense this year became more ground, kind of ground and pound offense in a lot for a lot of teams. The defenses have figured things out. They've gotten more athletic and faster. The best coaches, the upper echelon of which Sean Payton is one of them, they know how to ride those waves. They know how to adjust to those things. And that's where I think sometimes we talk about that next hot commodity or even a guy that looks really good for a year or two. Give me three years, four years, five years, ten years. That does prove what a coach is capable of. So I, I, I will talk a little bit out of the both sides here because I, I think it's true. Guys that have proven track records, it's hard to get away from them when you're looking for your next hire.
Well, look at Sunday. You look at the Cardinals against the Niners. They open up the game with a gadget trick play for 70 yards to A.J. Green, this beautiful oh, by touchdown. The way, oh, my God. I can't <laughs> believe there's so much other stuff to talk about here. Yeah. I said, sitting there with my buddy, I go, oh, Tyler is probably disgusted right <laughs> yeah. now. I was like, not uh, only no, are they I, endangering, you know, endangering the pick. That's, that's the first problem we're running into here. Yes. I was like, then it's the third string quarterback throwing it or the fourth string at this point throwing it to the aged veteran that he's been calling to go it was everything dude it was the perfect storm where i was like oh i wouldn't be surprised if tyler just had a, had an embolism and he just fell over off the sofa uh, I, I, I could not believe it i texted the group i said cliff is about to pull a lovey smith and you know <laughs> off with his head at this point i mean no oh. way he's gonna win this game but oh god you you look at a play like that and, and props to A.J. Green. I mean, showing he's still got it. A.J. Green was a great player for a long time. When I knock him and say it's time to go and whatever, it's because he can't do that <laughs> and do things yeah. like that all the time anymore. I mean, he's just – he can't the, – there is no um, consistency there for an A.J. Green. Now, with that being said, um, uh, my point to the whole of this is that Cliff, great play. Great, great way to start out the – great way to start out the game or start out the um, start out the game, but then in your second half, not making adjustments and ultimately getting just yeah. blown out. And that's a big like, part of it. Just, that's just it, what it is. Yeah. Adjusting to it, obviously and making those changes. So um, that being the case, we'll, we can circle back into here um, the press conference, et cetera. I just want to briefly go over what was accomplished over the course of the weekend for um, <laughs> for the Arizona Cardinals when it came to the draft order. And so it was interesting, as we said before, there wasn't anything about the Houston Texans falling out of that number one spot that we really thought was possible. We glossed over that completely, didn't even worry about it, um, and went right into thinking, what could happen with the Bears? How could this plan, plan itself out? You mentioned that the Bears came close. This weekend had a lot of games in Week 18. Like It mattered for a lot of teams to win. Some teams had nothing to play for, and yet the game scripts were getting really weird for a while. Ultimately, Houston pulls out their win. Chicago gets vaulted into the number one spot. The uh, Colts stay back there at four. And the Denver does a little bit of the favor that we needed there, too. And the Cardinals get into the three spot. I think you have to feel pretty good about it if we just think back to, we said, hey, if you get high enough, then you're in a position maybe to trade back with somebody that wants a quarterback. But even three, worst case, and I'm putting big old air quotes around worst case scenario, you end up with a great player like Will Anderson, probably. Now, the thing or Jalen Carter. Out, You're getting either one. Well, here's the thing I'm going to throw out because Will Anderson does feel tailor made for the Chicago Bears, right? Like you, you have your quarterback. He feels like a guy that's like in that mold, right? So maybe you don't get him, but the Cardinals but, but are. It, is there this, any this way? Like the best scenario, right? Is there any way someone is not trading with the Bears? Like at this point, with Houston going to two. A team has to trade with the Bears if they want a quarterback. Otherwise, you know, I just, I don't no, know. No, you could stand, I, but but if you think about it, the top of that draft there, just quickly, like, okay, so it's Chicago, and, and you want to trade with them. They, they're probably willing to trade back. They have their quarterback. They could do a lot. Houston's going to take one, we assume, right? Unless you're blown away by Davis Webb's performance uh, in that. Davis Webb, sorry, excuse well, me. I, I'm, um, Davis I'm, I'm more saying if there's a clear-cut number one, if it's young, yeah. if he's number one, without a doubt, the top QB on the board, Someone is going to jump the Texans him. to get to Maybe, one. But, 
Wouldn't wouldn't the ultimate irony be the Houston Texans giving something up to get back up to one after losing the number one pick on Sunday just so they can get Bryce Young? They'd be like, what do we have to do to get up one spot with Chicago to get our quarterback? If if you're in Houston, you're definitely going to get, you know, you can get Stroud, you can get Levy. Like, you'll get get a good quarterback there. Like, I don't think you need to move, but one of those others that are sitting at four, five, six, whatever, like, they're going to need to move up. I mean, it just, I, I don't see there's a world that there is not a trade for the number one pick. I just think it has to happen this year. Yeah, probably. And you would assume, again, if you're Chicago and you look at your roster, you have enough holes to fill. That you, that you should probably do it. get a big old, a big old mm-hmm. haul for that there. So the Cardinals will wait and see. That, that, that's all that they can do here. Assuming that some other teams come up, that's maybe the unfortunate spot where, now this is again, though, I'm just going to say it really quickly here before we have a, a really good, uh, great guest that was on recently with us. He's going to hop in here in a second. I will say, though, remember that little game. He demanded game of to come on the episode. I'm going to just throw that out there. Well, I, I, I didn't want to. Yeah, I didn't want to say it was like, you know, a bit of a, you know we're not saying it was Forrest. We're not saying he has any dirt on anybody, but let's just be clear here. Um, but no, but that game of chicken that has happened to the top of the draft, depending on who wants to move up or not, and you sit there and you say, well, Chicago, you know. You, you have your quarterback. What do you really want to do here? That, that I think, is always a fascinating process um, when we get towards the draft. That's for another day. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Steve Keim not being retained as the GM. We have Cliff Kingsbury being let go as the head coach. And then we have the Bidwell press conference that ties a nice little bow on everything that happened on Black Monday. And now we sit and wait for the 17th. And someone who certainly has some experience here in uh, these type of waters will be one Jake Arians who joins us now via the phone line. And we'll uh, dive in with him here to see uh, his takeaways, right? Cause you guys had a pretty good discussion not too uh, long ago about a lot of these things that went down today. Yeah. And actually, if I think back, my brother, Jake, good to have you on the, on the, on the show. I'm glad you text me when you did, cause we were right. The, we just started the pod. I'm like, man, this is fate. We got to get you on. But I remember our last episode, your thought was, and, and not to call you out here, but I just want to set the table. Your opinion was you thought they were both going to come back. So now as we sit here today, Kime stepping away. Cliff has now been relieved. What do you make of, of Michael Bidwell's decision and, and the moves that happened today? I mean, I give him credit for doing it. It's a couple bad losses since I've been on last time. I didn't think he would just for this fact that he didn't want to pay the, the, the money. Oh, you know, and when I, trust Jake. What, trust me. When I say that, I think I said at the beginning of the recording today, I think every fan over the last 24 hours was like very nervous i mean i mean my text group was going from they're definitely gone to well cliff might be retained he might come back and you know so a lot of people i think until the announcement was made this morning or until the news broke a lot of people were still on the fence of is michael really gonna do this uh, you know so i don't think you were wrong in your thinking at all i just i more want to hear now that it's happened obviously kudos to michael like you said but where do the Cardinals go from here? What do you make of the press conference? I mean, there's a lot we can go here. Uh, there's a lot of bows put on a empty box with a president inside <laughs> that I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed in. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Vance Joseph ends up the head coach and A-Dub and Quentin are the GMs. It wouldn't surprise me at all. If I'm a Cardinals fan, I am pissed off about that. I am not happy. That is not what this franchise really deserves moving forward, but it wouldn't surprise me. At the same time, I see what people are saying, that it is a desirable job. And for a lot of reasons, it should be. 
not everybody's in the Kyler camp of this this desirable because of Kyler and that contract. There's a lot of people who look at it the exact opposite because your hands are tied. And I don't think Bidwell did himself any favors today saying he's going to ask Kyler his opinion on the next head coach. I don't. Yeah, I, I was really in, surprised by that. If I'm going in as the head coach, I'm like, well, how much did he say? And I don't give a damn what he said. Somebody needs to come <laughs> in and coach this kid hard, not get his damn opinion. I heard that Lincoln coached him hard in college, and I'm like. That was $200 million ago, and that was college. Pre-transfer portal. Like, I, I don't so know. So do you think that then, Jake, from, from the standpoint of – from Mike Bidwell's standpoint, was this the – well, I have three op, I have three problems here potentially. I have my GM. I have my head coach. I have my quarterback. And guess what? The quarterback is the hardest problem for me to solve even if I wanted to. So you mentioned – because you mentioned that the, the comments in the press conference, it's almost like – well, I'm going to back the guy that I'm kind of tied to here. And it does send a signal potentially to incoming head coaches, incoming GMs. It's going to be th- like, this is the process. Now we know that no matter what, you're going to give Kyler Murray the opportunity to still be successful. But with the injury and what it's going to look like at the start of next season, do, what kind of message does this send out to the Sean Paytons of the world or other high profile candidates that they may want to consider? I don't know that there is another high-profile candidate. Sean would shock me to the point where I'd have to, like, I don't know. We'd have a really good bet. I mean, Sean's going to take 12 to $15 million a year. I would be beyond shocked if Michael did that. Okay, He's going to take total control of the organization. I can't see that happening. I mean, look, the Cardinals, I read a thing the other day. They haven't been outside the organization in 30 years for a GM. Right. It's time to blow the whole thing up and let a GM come in and hire – scouts if he wants to do scouts and personnel guys that he wants. I mean, to me, it's time to move forward in that direction. And a GM and a head coach have to be able to work hand in hand. You cannot hire this coach without hiring a GM first. I know he said he'd like to do that, but he would if he had to. You can't. You have to hire the GM first and have him giving the input that you did for the last three or four head coaching hires with with Steve. It has to be hand in hand. And those guys have to get along. Head coach has to have a say in personnel. But – what if Sean Payton is in play and Sean Payton is hand picking his GM and they are hand in hand? Sean Payton's GM is Sean Payton. Somebody but, will have the title. I'm talking about like the assistant, control. the assistant GM uh, over in New Orleans right now. Um, why am I spacing on the name? If he brings, that's my point. He's going to bring his guy, put his guy in place. Yeah. You, you can picture as a Cardinals fan, Michael Bidwell paying a head coach $15 million a year. Because if you can't, we don't need to even talk anymore about Sean Payton because that's what it takes. I'm telling you right now, that's what it takes. Oh, could, could we picture, or you're that, asking me, do I picture that he could actually do yeah. that? I, yeah, and I some mean, portion I, of the $10 million a year that that they have, what, $10 million a year or so for Cliff Kingsbury. We don't know what that buyout's going to look like potentially. I had read a couple articles saying they can recoup some of it, maybe half of it back, but you're going to be paying money to Cliff. And then you're also already, pay, you're already locked in, as we know, with some personnel decisions as well. This is where, see, I'm not, Tyler is the diehard locked into this organization. <laughs> I am the outside perspective. And I like I personally look at it. If I'm Sean Payton, I'm waiting to see what happens in Dallas in the first round of the playoffs. I'm waiting to see what happens with the Chargers in the first round of the playoffs. Like I look around the league. There are other teams, and the yeah, way that Sean Payton McVay. talked about it, it's just the way that he talked about it was I want to know who I'm going to work with inside the organization. Yeah. I want a stable organization. 
the Cardinals are not that thing. And there's certainly better options on the table. It's just you're going to have, you may have to overpay the fifth beyond the 15 million if you're bid well and you really want Sean Payton. And to your point, Jake, I just don't think that they're going to go that extra mile. And I don't, I couldn't fault them for it. You're, that's just the circumstances you're in now. Yeah. I mean, if you're the owner, I can see where that would be enticing, but you really got to know your roster, know your franchise. You have a ton of impending free agents and know that if you're paying that guy 15 million, it is the quick turnaround that you're expecting and you want. Yep. I don't see that. Let's talk about some other guys that might be in the mix. Okay. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see them go a little bit more and I am not the analytics guy by any means, but bringing in some, cap guru kind of guys slash personnel guy when you're redoing this front office and then talk about some of these coaches you just went young inexperienced coach i think you got to have a veteran coach that has a staff the biggest thing fans fail to realize here i love D'Amico ryan's i think he's gonna be a great head coach who the hell is he bringing with him because mm-hmm. the offensive guys in san francisco that you have only worked with have all been plucked they're all gone and kyle ain't letting anybody else good leave like it's not gonna happen if you can't bring an entire staff a coordinator, defense coordinator, offense coordinator, special teams coordinator, and a bunch of good assistants. I don't care who the head coach is. They only do so much. The things that work are a head coach, figurehead, guy that can answer to an owner, and a bunch of his guys that he knows he can trust to go coach it and be the coordinator. Now, if he's going to call plays on one side or the other, that's fine, but you still got to have the guys do a lot of the work during the week. I don't see a lot of those guys out there. I mean, I, I keep seeing everybody thinks they're going to go reinvent the wheel with this the next young up and coming, whatever. Well, you just tried that. That didn't work very well. I think you got to go with an established leader. I, like Lovey Smith is obviously not the guy just got fired, but like those guys respond to him. Houston has no talent. They play their ass off all year. We're in a bunch of games for Lovey. No one needs a sitting duck, but he's a guy that guys respond to like a guy that players are going to, and they played hard for Cliff, man. I'll, I'll give Cliff credit for all the crap that was going on. I don't think D lost the locker room at all. I, I do want to say it, that. It I, didn't like, seem I like, like Cliff, by the way. You guys know I like Cliff. Like, I, I, yeah. don't, I think he was laying over his head. I think a lot of it wasn't his fault. But, you know, I think the guys liked him, and I don't think he lost the locker room. But let's talk about some other guys you think are out there, because I would just take Sean off the table. I just can't imagine it's that. Only, the, the big sexy names that everyone talks about, obviously, you got Sean Payton, you got the, the Harbaugh's of the world, and then D'Amico Ryans was third. Uh, the OC over in Detroit. Um, For one year? <sighs> yeah, I know. I know. Well, because while because while he because while Tyler gets a couple extra names up here, the one that I was curious about because you mentioned uh, ben about Johnson. Uh, there you go, Ben Johnson. Head coaching experience. Or, or sorry, a veteran coach. Do you categorize that as head coaching experience or just a veteran coach? Because I do. I'm a East Coast guy. Wink Martindale seems to have gone from being in Baltimore. Now he joins the Giants, and he's he's changed himself a little bit. Worked to his personnel and been you know, flexible to, to, or adaptive to what he can do. Is that enough to say he's been a long tenured defensive coordinator obviously has. I saw, NFL come, I saw Wink's name come up today. That came yeah. up as a yeah. That's exactly coach. what I'm talking about. A guy that's called plays. Yeah. You can't go hire these, these guys to be like Mike McDaniel is the freaking, the, be the unicorn of all unicorns, never called right. plays, never been a head coach, like goes and gets the job and makes the playoffs Did a hell of a job. That those guys don't exist, man. Go get a proven head coach that's called plays, that's been in the fire, that's done it in multiple systems, that doesn't just have one system that you're going to have to try to come implement. You can't, you, you got to do it with your personnel. Uh, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, Jake, I've got the guy, the guy in Detroit has one year of calling plays. And yes, it was great. They went nine and nine and eight. Jared Goff played good. 
By the way, Antoine Randall, a longtime player as a receiver coach there, had a hell of a lot to do with that. I don't hear him get any credit for it. It right. wasn't just one dude that was calling plays. You guys always forget, like, when you're hiring a coordinator yeah. or a coordinator's a hot name, I go back to who's behind him, who's with him. I, I, and by the way, Harbaugh's not coming. You imagine Jim Harbaugh and Michael Bidwell in that meeting? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so, so a name that I've seen tossed around, and it would go hand-in-hand hand with Michael Bidwell's hiring people he knows and bringing people he knows, uh, Byron Leftwich. I would love to see that. And I think that would work for some extent. Byron knows the organization, knows the ins and outs, but it's who the, who the GM is. Are you going to hire one of the guys from Tampa? And there's a bunch of hot names down there. I don't know if um, it'd be, it wouldn't be like Adrian Wilson. Then he is hiring a GM from within, you know, but it was rumored last year yeah, when the Jags yeah. wanted Byron, that he was demanding that Adrian Wilson be the GM. Possibly. I mean, Byron, like to me, Byron's not any less of a candidate than he was a year ago. They, they haven't been yeah. as good on offense. He's taken a bunch of heat from Bucks fans who are beyond ridiculously spoiled at this point. You're the freaking <laughs> Bucks. You didn't do shit for 40 years. Now, all of a sudden, you expect <laughs> to like, have the number one offense in the league every year. I think hey, he'd hey, be a great fit. Hey, I think he'd be a good fit. They just put your dad in the ring of honor. Relax on the Bucks fans. Come on. The Bucks fans didn't. The ownership didn't. They're great. I know, the Bucks I fans know. hear this from me on their podcasts all the time. Like, dude, slow down. Like, you've never won back-to-back <laughs> division championships. You just did that, and you want to complain because the, the record wasn't what you thought it was going to be? <laughs> I get Tom Brady's the quarterback, but he wasn't great all year either. Uh, I, I think Byron would be a great candidate. He's called plays for four years, but he's learned from guys, and I think he could bring some guys with him, Tom Moore's of the world. Like, Tom Moore gets no credit for my dad having him with him for 10 years. But having that old, savvy dude that you can close the door – and no matter what's said, it's not leaving that room. But you get honest feedback from a guy that's been there and seen it all. I don't see anybody talking about who's this guy bringing with him. Like the, the, to me, yeah. the biggest thing in hiring a coach is what staff is coming. Well, that was that was an issue with Cliff, right? Like when Cliff Huge came issue. in, Kime hired the entire staff. Yeah, Vance Vance wasn't a Cliff hire. Uh, you know, he was brought in for him to try to Coog help. Wasn't. Yeah, Sean Coogler put all the other stuff aside. Damn good veteran offensive line coach, run game guy. Like he was vital to the success they had offensively the last few years. That wasn't either. I mean, you have to be able to bring that staff with you, put that entire thing together to win the press conference. The name has to be sexy and they got to go up there and do a great job. Well, like Nick Sirianni wasn't winning the press conference. He's done a hell of a job in Philly. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's another good example there too in Philadelphia too, and the quick turnaround they've had. So then, from Michael Bidwell's perspective, mentioning running it past Kyler Murray, and you you talk about how you brought in Cliff Kingsbury, for better or worse, when you don't let him bring in his staff, whether he had guys in place or whether he had names he was going to bring, that it, inherently it feels like you hamstring it. So now you send a head coach down the road with maybe coordinators he likes likes to work with, maybe he doesn't love. Maybe it's not entirely on the same page. Do you think that Bidwell learned that lesson over this experience with Cliff Kingsbury? Nah, I'm not real sure. <laughs> I, hate to, nope, nope. I, hate, I hate to react like this, but it's always – I don't have any skin in the game, so it's always comical when it feels like the, the darkness is not fully drifting away here. I hope so, but he should have learned it when he hired B.A. and saw it work. Right. <laughs> A guy yeah. that brought all of his guys, one chief at the top, no backstabbing, no dissension, no split to whatever. Like, if he doesn't hire Vance as the head coach, don't tell the new head coach that Vance is staying on as defense coordinator because you just split the locker room in half already. Right. He tried to learn that when he tried to keep Ray and dad wanted to bring uh, Todd Bowles, which worked out pretty damn good. 
for 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 Bidwell, the, the organization, and, and Cards fans. Don't do that again. So le- you should have learned that from the past that, no, you can't go force guys on the head coach. Let them bring their guys. Yep. Unless there's something behind the scenes that they know about, and we're not going to hire this guy. That's fine. But you got to let those guys hire their guys. That's why you're hiring them. You're, one, one guy doesn't make a freaking team. I don't give it if it's Sean Payton or Bill Belichick. You can hire Bill. Who's he bringing with him? You saw their offense suck this year. Yeah. Special teams coordinator, defense coordinator, call an offensive plays. Well, and, it didn't and work say, out that good for that offense. Like, it matters. No, it definitely matters. And when I think of my time as a Cardinal fan, and I think back to the years of of Bruce and Todd Bowles, I mean, I am not the best at sitting in at a stadium and then from one half to the next being like, oh, I see the changes they made. You clearly saw and the Cardinals did a good job of hyping it too by saying oh it's they played a video it's the fourth quarter and and all this rah-rah but you could see the changes that were made offensively and defensively it was the best tandem and the winning percentage I mean backs it up the best tandem we've ever seen here in Arizona and that's what they do need to find again I mean that's that's where they they need to find the exact elements that you're talking where you get a strong head coach that does have and if the strong, the head coach is offensive minded, then you better have. They, hopefully, they have someone defensive minded that it's going to be great as well. I, I mean, your, that's what we need. To your point, even when Todd went to New York and James Betcher took over, it was still the philosophy of the head coach to blitz yeah. like crazy, make good halftime adjustments. A lot of Todd's guys, NBA's guys, were still in that defensive staff to help Betch out. But it was still the philosophy of we're going to blitz. This is our identity. We're going to sl- smash you in the mouth, stop the run, and we're going to blitz like crazy. I feel like a defense coordinator wants to do what he wants to do and a head coach that wants to do what he wants to do. And they don't mesh like that has to be one yeah. message coming from the top guy. And you see it screwed up every year in these hiring processes where those two things, and then you split the locker room immediately. Well, you know, what's funny. I do, Well, uh, I'll say funny is the wrong word, but la- last thing for me is you said, and uh, it's a hundred percent, right? No one coach is not one coach It's the collective staff, everyone involved pushing the team in the right direction. So no one individual can have, can make a team successful, but one individual in this instance, an owner has a very strong hand in what happens with the organization. Right. And that's that, that that's what it is to me. It's you're at the fork in the road of has Michael Bidwell looked back and said, I saw when it worked. I know what when it didn't, and I know what I need to do going forward. And it doesn't need to be Sean Payton. It just needs to be a very clear understanding of how you create a successful hierarchy in an organization. If he hasn't learned those lessons, it won't even matter. You can hire the right head coach and then hamstring him in a dozen different ways that makes it a failure in the long term. Tyler, let me ask you this, man. If it's Vance Joseph and you get – a-Dub and Quentin as co-GMs. Like, where, where does your fandom go at that point? Because, like, to me, that is punting the entire organization. Yeah, it, it can't be that. And I will say, in that press conference, I did not get the feeling from Michael Bidwell that that was the route he was going to go. He kept talking about that they went outside. And, and, you know, he did the quick interviews with Quentin. Is that because A-Dub. all of that stuff leaked for the week before and he thought he had to get ahead of it in the press conference and he wanted to, to tie a little pretty bow up on the Christmas present? Or do you think that's what he meant in the press conference? Because I wasn't real sure. I'm hearing a lot of stuff for a week coming into this. And then I see a press conference that answers a lot of those questions. I, and I, I see almost, your fandom I coming back out is why I like this. But I'm, it's a big I, question. I almost there. think the stuff you saw up front was out of courtesy and respect to those guys to try to help them get other jobs as well. Like, oh, they're in the mix, you know, and, and, and oh, they're leading candidates. But it to me – out of this press conference, I got the feeling, and man, I'm going to feel betrayed 
if Michael proves me wrong here, because <laughs> I am giving a lot of hope and optimism to Michael Bidwell right now that I haven't done in the past. And so, and Jake, I know, I, I know that if you and I were having a beer, we'd probably share a lot of the same opinions uh, about it. But after the press conference and after today's proceedings, I feel like things are going to be different this time. But man, this is going to be one of those, you know, fool me once, shame on me, or fool, or fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame fool on me, for whatever. the 47th time? I know. <laughs> I, like, I know. Just drink I know. the Kool-Aid. Drink the yeah. Kool-Aid, buddy, and just hold take on, a hold nice on, hold gentle on, nap. Hold on, hold on. And I will say this. <laughs> Michael has been quick normally. Uh, I mean, not. I wouldn't say normally. He's been quick, like with Wilkes. I mean, thought it was the wrong move, moved on fast. In this situation, I think there was a lot more feelings involved. You saw Michael in the opening of the press conference get a little choked up as he was talking about uh, Steve Kime. There's obviously a, a relationship there. You could feel that in this first 30 seconds of the press conference. There should, because they've been yeah, together for 30 years. Of Steve's course. been here for his entire career. Yeah. So so you could feel that like he didn't want this to end with Kime. Like, I, that's that's the opinion it gave me. Yeah. Um but ultimately, when I like looked at Michael today, it seemed like, okay, he understands what's being said about. I think Michael cares a lot about what gets said about him out in the media. Yes. And so I'm sure he is read. Always, everyone a great, could, always a great tenant of a, I know, of a it's NFL terrible. football team. Being Man, you're doing such about a good job of proving says. my point that the press conference was all in reaction to everything that was leaked for the last week and not a genuine. Pre- the press conference was great. But I still don't know if it was. Truthful. But I want his action to follow. And I'd hold, I'd hold, hold out hope for sure. Yes, I want his action to follow it though, and and I think it will just based on drinking the Kool Aid. He... Uh, no, <laughs> I, I I did drink a Kool Aid though earlier. I got I got it right here. Uh, but um, I I did de- I I truthfully think that he's taking what people are saying and understanding what he needs to do. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, he did say it in the conference, press conference, he's going to consult with other GMs and other people around the league. He's going to check and, in with TikTok. He's going to check know, in with Instagram. Know, and he's going to, you know. It's just so bad. On. Okay, listen, listen. If I'm burned on this, I, I mean, well, I don't I'm coming back on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Worry, I have Jake's direct email now. Like yeah. I can bypass you, and yes, you'll come in to yes. start the episode, and Jake yeah. will just be here waiting. I know, I know. Listen, I, I get it. I again, me and Jake are at a bar. I'm agreeing with him every step of the way, but for some reason, I want to believe that Michael's going to be different this time, and I just do. Then again, I also thought this was a playoff fanatic, team. Brother. I'm glad you're drinking. A I know that's the I best know. part about fandom and why the NFL is the greatest <laughs> business on the planet. Yeah, the Kool Aid is fantastic. Everybody loves their place. I want I'm not to, hope to be that... an ass. I'm just trying to point out some things no, no, no. that, like, I think are getting mixed, like lost in the process by fandom. Yep. Oh, trust it's me, I got not my... as desirable of a job as everybody's making it out to be, and there are reasons why. I and I get that all 100. Huh. Kyler Murray. <clears throat> yeah, right. my gut. I had my... something in my throat. Yeah, my gut says that this will be the same old Cardinals because that's what you always get. But my heart right now is, is begging that it's going to be different. And, and I'm going to give Michael the opportunity here and I'm going to think optimistic, but it, it is definitely um, it, it's left to be seen. I, I, I tweeted this out earlier today. I said, we're only halfway done here. The getting rid of the GM, getting rid of the head coach was half the battle. The second half is hiring the right people. And getting someone to come in that is going to fix your investment with Kyler Murray. 
And I did find another key nugget in the press conference, which Jake, I'll be interested to hear your opinion here. Uh, Michael, pretty stern about it, said, we would love to see that Kyler is rehabbing here in Arizona, especially with the coaching and GM change. I thought that was a flashing neon sign outside a bar in Fort Worth, Texas. Like, <laughs> big, big neon sign of there's an issue here. Yeah. You're a $260 million quarterback, friend. You don't rehab anywhere but here. So we can keep our yeah. eyes on everything going on. Where do you think the clause in the contract came from? Oh, I guarantee that like, came from MB and not Steve uh, Steve Kyle. The, like you the say, attorney? Though, yes. Yeah. As, as Tyler said, though, they're optimistic that – Kyler will choose to rehab in Arizona. They're hopeful. They're hope. They're hopeful. Maybe he'll choose to. Obviously, they haven't talked to him. He hasn't been around. The, he hasn't been around the team. That was a calculated shot to put out in the media, mm-hmm. just like the contract details getting leaked. Whatever. Yep. When they put that crap in there, I think the whole thing is to me is you're exactly right. You're halfway done, but you're really only a quarter of the way done. This was the easy part. Yeah, hiring the right true. guys and letting them fire more people. And hire their people and hiring the right two guys that see it the same way that can get along. You can't hire a coach and then hire a GM a month later. It it just doesn't work that way. You get more proven examples of it than the other way, I promise you. And then the other other key part to me here is if you go offensive head coach, you have to have a really good communicator and patient person as a quarterback coach that's firm but fair. And you have to have a $260 million quarterback who kind of acts like a baby to accept that coaching. But that dude to me is might be the most vital hire in this whole thing. As much as the head coaches, who is he communicating with on a daily basis as quarterback coach? He didn't have that for last four or five years. I mean, that was, that was cliff run the offense dealing with him. Like, like BA is not the easiest dude to play quarterback for like Ben Roethlisberger didn't like getting MF'd. <laughs> so he would, he would MF like Charlie Batch and Byron Leftwich, while Ben could hear it and then be like, all right, <laughs> all right buddy, let's go run the next play. Right. It didn't work, like, but you got to know who your guys are. But whoever, just like Tom, like Byron Leftwich does a phenomenal job with BA as the head coach going to Tom Brady and being like, no, let's talk about what you actually want to do here because we'll just let some of that go. Right. Right. That, that to me, that's the biggest hire in this whole thing. You already said Kyler's your dude. The owner just said he's going to have input. That is a vital hires who's dealing with him on a daily basis and teaching him how to be a professional quarterback. He still doesn't know. We all know that contract was real. We all know they put that stuff in that contract because it's a problem. He needs to learn how to be a professional and a true franchise quarterback. That's working your tail off, getting studying and everything else. Who's that guy that's dealing with him every day. I love it. That's insight from Jake Arians. Jake, I appreciate you. uh, Last minute throwing me a text right after the presser and, and and hopping on with us and giving your opinion on on today's press conference and the moves the Cardinals made we're going to catch up with you I'm sure as the offseason rolls on and and when Michael uh, Bidwell breaks my heart we'll definitely have you on then I hope it's not brother I hope you're the happiest <laughs> dude I would, I would love to see all that happen but I will definitely be back on I will also remind you and all the fans listening Black Monday sucks these guys are human beings they have yep. families Cut him some slack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Stuff. Hammer the coaching. Leave the personal yeah. crap alone, man. They got kids and wives and families that got to hear about it. There's a bunch of assistant coaches that got fired just because the head coach got fired. It's a shitty day to be, you know, a family of these guys. 100%.
Always oh, a good reminder. Yep. Uh, do we we refer to you? I'm gonna let you out the door here, Jake. But last time you were on, I think every time you're on, Tyler refers to you as a good brother. Yeah, well, a good brother. Well, yeah, I know. No, I know. But like, but what what what? <laughs> how, how do you achieve that status? Because it was thrown out very very matter of fact. Nothing about my experience with you suggests otherwise. But it's, there's got to be a process that I can go through to get a little bit of that kind of love at the end of the episode. Well, the, the definition of a good brother is someone that you want to have a beer with anytime you see him, right? And it starts with having a cocktail. So let's yeah, let's yeah, 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 yeah. Now, now here we go. They call that now cocktail. Big, 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 good, yeah. good conversation. You know, producer wow. Adam, you're God, there. We... Like you're you're almost there. Like you're getting oh, good. It's fine. You're getting to brotherly status for sure. But you're in we're Jersey. You haven't made. Away. Well, you just haven't made your way to Arizona yet. Now, the Giants right. do come here next season, and I shot right. you a text that hopefully we'll get producer Adam, voice of the bird god, on location at State Farm Stadium next year. Hey, I listen, like if it. Jake's going to be there, then it's all good. You know what I mean? That, <laughs> then, then I'm there for it, because that's, that's what I'm looking for, for the good the good brother cocktail connection. <laughs> hey, is, wait, wait, wait. Let me ask that. Is yeah. is uh, Jake, before you leave, because I know we're going to wrap the episode, uh, Jake, is dad going to be still heavily involved in Tampa now or, or going forward next seasons and beyond, or, or is this kind of like a one year? And cause I saw he got obviously inducted to the ring of honor. Is he going to be kind of sliding more into retirement or, or what? I mean, is that public? Are we able to talk about that? Yeah. A little bit more into retirement, not quite as involved, but yeah, he's still heavily involved. I mean, he still has the title of special assistant to the GM yeah. or whatever that is. Uh, I think vitally important of helping Jason light when it comes to draft free agents and building the roster and training camp, helping Todd and Jason with, with, with that mm. stuff. And then, you know, it's a lot of the off season stuff. It, okay. Awesome. Like I, said, I mean, the great thing is Todd, Todd has all his guys. So it's not like, you know, he's got to be doing, yeah. you know, that much, but yeah. Well, I, I mainly asked that meaning, are you going to be traveling every Sunday to Tampa? To, to no, home I will not or... be traveling near as much. I didn't as, as much this year. So I will, I will not, I'll be, you, I actually went to like three Cardinals games this year. All right, we'll get you to more Cardinal games next season with a new GM and head coach out there as well. So uh, that's Jake Arians. Appreciate you, brother. I'm going to turn to you, producer Adam, to to what else you want to hit before we got to go. I know you got to get out the door. No, we'll go ahead and let we'll uh, we let Jake get out of here. Uh, that, that was great, by the way. You do the front end of it, and this is all uh, here. I will close out on this. After hearing Jake's perspective, which very closely aligns with mine, do you feel like? You just cannot get out of your own Cardinals fandom way, right? Like you, you can see it now. You were you were looking through. They, there was this clearing in the forest, and the sun was shining down to a bright meadow. And standing in all the flowers was Sean Payton, and he was just he was wearing a Cardinals jersey, and he was coming down the path to you. But now you can see those trees kind of closing in. Do you feel like there is another path for success for the Cardinals if it's not going to be Sean Payton? It just scares me when I look at the names again. I mean, we're going to have to see what the names that come up. Yeah. I just think Sean Payton is the – and I get it. There's a huge hurdle to get over, which is the cost and everything else. Like, yep. Let, You know what? Okay. Uh, this is, my closing thought is this. Michael Bidwell said he wants to move quickly. That doesn't need to be the case. You can be patient. Mm-hmm. You can look at the playoff teams and make the smartest choice possible. If it's Sean Payton and you're willing to spend the money, great, grand, move on, move on with it. Awesome. But there's a lot. There could be a lot of really good candidates. Don't make a knee-jerk reaction here coming off of firing your GM, firing your head coach. Make the smart move. And it's rare that the smart move usually comes when you make it as fast as humanly possible. That would be my hope for the Cardinals. I just hope 
whatever the result is that I mean, I put a note in our little thing here, on a, or we have a little side chat that we can have. Seven of 14 teams this season were not uh, in the playoffs. Yeah. And are now in the playoffs. So that is, again, when we talk about optimism. You got the third overall pick, which we secured on Sunday. Now you have change on Monday. Well, as we look ahead, you've also got that optimism that you look at all the teams that are in the playoffs this year that were not in the playoffs last year. Hopefully we can be one of those teams next year. And it all starts with the moves that were made, but over the weekend and today, I mean, yep. that, that's really it. So with that being said, we're going to wrap, we're going to be able to hash out more of this as the week goes on. We'll have another episode at the end of the week. Um, but until then he is the voice of the bird God producer, Adam. I am Tyler Vasquez with bird gang travel. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, at Bird Gang Travel Facebook, Bird Gang Travel Club. And then if you want to download and subscribe, I suggest you do so uh, wherever you get podcasts, or you can go to kickoffinthevalley.com. And don't forget, always kick off in the valley. Go!